John chapter 4 has one of the best known stories in the entire New Testament. A little story of a woman at a well, a Samaritan woman. And I was told last night that we actually should sing, Samaritan woman, stay away from me. (laughs) If we would have had time, we definitely would have done that. Um, But the town is really what's kind of unique, uh, the first part of the story. It's a little town called Sechem. Sechem was a town that... uh, it was really the first town that Abraham went to when he came into Canaan after God had said, man, people are going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to the nations. It was, this, it was that first place that he went to. Sechem was the place that uh, God would lead the children of Israel to after they had left Egypt. It was a part of the culture, part of the history of, of Jewish society. And when, when they got there, you know, Israel had people there before the Jews got there. It was, it was called Canaan originally. And when the Jews came into the land, what do you do with all these people who were there? Well, what happened was there was this, uh, how you doing, Grace? Your hair looks amazing. Is it dripping? <laughs> she was back a while ago. said, will my hair be wet? Will I have time to dry my hair before I get to sing? I don't know. Then I said, I'm a smart like, I will. My hair will be dry. What are you worried about? Uh, but it was this town that, that really was just in the DNA of these people. And what happened was, uh, after the Assyrians came in in 524, took all the Jews away, then they came back to their land, they kind of built this mongrel type of religion. Between, uh, it was sort of like a, a, a mashup between Judaism and, and Baal worship or Canaanite worship. And through the years, this particular town, it was kind of a, it was a bulwark, uh, a bulwark. It was a great city. But over the years, it kind of fell into dilapidation. Um, and the, uh, the, the town that was built near it was called Sychar. Uh, to me, in my mind, the way I can understand this is that Detroit is a shell of the city that it used to be. Um, it's not what it was. Heck, St. Louis isn't what it used to be. Uh, but all these communities around it, like Crevecore and South County and St. Charles, if you can imagine Sycher being a South County or St. Charles um, in the text, because in the text, that main city, Sechem, had been destroyed. It's no longer there. And the word Sechem means between shoulders or the back. And here's a picture. I, on one side of a mountain, you have Mount Gabal, and then the other mountain is Mount Gerizim. One means judgment. One means blessing. Uh, one means law. One means grace. And this is the uh, this is the situation. This is the scenario. This is the scene that 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 beautiful story of John four takes place between. G- How's your hair? You didn't complain a bit, did you, darling? Nope. And one of the things that made this particular place awesome is this, have you ever heard of Jacob's well? Jacob had bought a a piece of ground and he dug a well there. And you can still drink water from this well today. Um, But this well was sort of like holy ground. It's sacred ground to the Jew and the Samaritan. But the thing is, the Jew wouldn't go through this particular town because this is where the Samaritans lived. John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although the fact is that Jesus didn't baptize anybody. His disciples did. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judah and went back once more to Galilee. That's where he's from. Now he had to go through Samaria. Church say he had to go through. He didn't have a choice. It wasn't an option. It wasn't like, you know, it's something that he had to do. More on that in a second. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Now, again, that's the West County. That's the Creve Corps 
of Sechem. That was this town. This was this community that outlasted the city that it was built with. That, that little town, Sychar, is what's left. And on this day, so he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the, the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. This is the place where Jacob's well is. This is where Joseph, the great patriarch, was buried. This is a real place. You can go see this well today. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. I want to read this for three times, I guess. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, still is. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about what hour? noonday y'all it's hot at noon i mean it's the blazing time of day this is one of those things where you you know you get there at one in the afternoon this is one of those things that you do in the morning because it's it's hot it's it's uncomfortable so that's the way you did it on this day jesus was sitting under a noonday sun at jacob's well near a town called Sychar in samaria and he's not really supposed to be there because the jews uh the jews try to stay away from the samaritans as much as you could they saw them as a mixed breed they saw them as inbred they saw them as pagans they saw they really saw them less than human beings i mean it was it was two cultures, two, two different types of people trying to get along, and they didn't get along. Uh, so why would Jesus have to go through East, all this? Why, um, I want you to think about this. Um, how many of us intentionally go through East St. Louis to get to St. Louis? You have strong, opinion, you have strong opinions on this, I can tell. Roll them up, kids. Uh, what we're seeing with Sychar is this. St. Louis has collapsed, but now you're in East St. Louis. And this is where Jesus is going. This is the place everybody has avoided if you're a Jew. So Jesus rolls up in East St. Louis, if you will, just so we can get our mind around this. He rolls up, and he's not supposed to be there. A, a, a law-observant Jew, a righteous man, would not be there. But he's there because he had to. Because, you see, back before the foundation of the world was laid in God's appointment book, there was an appointment to be made there at Jacob's well on this particular day. Jesus had to go, had to go there. It's something he was supposed to do. Jesus was about to confront the smoldering tension, not just between this woman and God, but what I think Jesus is doing is he's speaking into how different people can get along, how different people can live with disagreement, but still you don't have to live disagreeably. Walking hand in hand with somebody without necessarily seeing eye to eye. Jesus is there when? Noon. Dude, what are you doing there at noon? It's 1,012 degrees outside. He had to be there because a particular woman was showing up. John 4, 7, 12. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Honey, will you give me a drink? I'm thirsty. His disciples had already gone into town to buy food or they could have done it. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not go to Saint, uh, East St. Louis. Jesus answered her, "Hun, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asked you for a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you the living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw from, and that well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well to drink from himself, and did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? So this woman, man, she's just... Let me tell you a little bit about the woman. Now, I think the reason the woman was out here at noon was either two reasons. Number one, she didn't like the other women in the village. Or number two, the other village women didn't like her. I'm going to go with the latter. I will tell you why in a moment. 
I think there was a lot of shame with this gal's life. I think there was a lot of things she regretted. I think that this was a broken woman. I think she probably uh, kind of slept from man to man to man. I, I think she, she kind of had that type of a lifestyle. She was a gal that knows she, she knew she needed God, but, you know, what do you do? So the woman came at noonday all alone. Normally the women would go there in the morning, but I think the women didn't want to be around her because of who she was and what she did, her reputation. She's kind of a skeezer. She's kind of a, uh, a, a gal with some loose morals. So either she didn't want to associate with her neighbors or her neighbors didn't want to associate with us. But I can tell you this. Either way, if I would have been the woman, I would have hated to go get water. I mean, I just would have dreaded it. Because I didn't want people talking about me when I got there. And I didn't want people to look at me different when I got there. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to... I, if I was her, I wouldn't want to have all those judgmental glances. No wonder she shows up at noon in the noonday sun. Because she doesn't have to put up with the mess. She comes there this day and here's this long, lanky, tall, olive-complected Nazarene. And he's sitting there and said, Sweetie, could, could I have something to drink? Jesus asked her for something. Verse 7, give me a drink. Verse 8, the disciples were gone. If Jesus drank from that woman's vessel, and this is something we don't think about very often, as an observant Jew, a sinless Jew, a righteous Jew, if he would have drank out of that pitcher or that vessel or that craft or that bucket of the woman, the Samaritan woman, he would have been ceremonially unclean. He couldn't go back to the temple unless he went through a mikvah, had some type of a way to cleanse him. Well, if he's cleansed, then that meant he was dirty, and if he's dirty, then he's not the Messiah. So what's the dilemma? What do you do? He had to be there. First, he was a Jewish man, and she's a Jewish woman. She knew a Jew would, would not look at her and, and see a person. He would look at her and see trash. He would look at her uh, in her mind. A Jew would look at her and see her as a piece of meat, as a piece of property, something to be used, something to be abused. She knew a Jew would look at her that way. Then Jesus just drops it on her. Go and call your husband and come back. Apparently this gal's not getting it. So man, he just starts reading her mail and goes right to the heart of the matter. Woman said, and by the way, you look at this text. She is a chatty Kathy, this whole thing. She's talking about Jacob and her sons and talking about this mountain and that mountain. Not that women sound that way. Uh, Kevin, can I stay with you tonight? All right, buddy. But I want you to notice something. She says four cotton-picking words. I have no husband. Uh, why didn't she elaborate on that mess? You know, all the other times, she's, well, that's a deep well. You ain't even got no bucket. Now we're just down to four words. You know why? Because nobody wants to talk about their own sin. Nobody likes to talk about what they've done wrong. Nobody wants to talk about that shame. And that's really where Jesus went with this. It's not like he didn't know she wasn't married. He knew. He's God. What she's trying to do is just give him enough so he'll shut up. I don't have a husband. Good luck with the water. And she could have walked away. And Jesus said, honey, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've been with five husbands and the man you're with right now, you're shacking up with, he ain't your old man. What you just said is quite true. How would you like to be that woman? First time you laid eyes on this dude and he's telling you everything in your life. 
He is bringing out this sin. He's bringing out these things that have brought her brokenness. The things that have made her feel less than. The things that have hurt her. The things that have made her cry. The things that have left her empty. And Jesus just goes straight to the heart of the matter. He's not wanting to talk about church or that person or that person. He says, honey, let's talk about you. Let's talk about where you are. Because you see, I believe that this woman has tried to find happiness in the, arm of men, in the arms of men. Men taking care of her. I think she was trying to get her worth out of making people happy. Primarily men. And anytime we try to make, uh, anytime we try to gain peace, joy, or happiness through any person or anything other than Jesus, we're always going to go back to the well because it's going to leave us wanting. We're going to need more. And this woman sitting there by a hole in the uh, by by a well, a hole in the ground, thinking she's talking to a man. But the truth of the matter is, she's standing by a hole of ground, uh, a hole in the ground, but she's talking to the well. Jesus says, sweetie, I've got water that I can give you that you will never thirst again. Verse 9 says, the Samaritan woman said to him, man, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews don't associate it. Um, I can't prove this to you, but to me that's a little sarcastic. If, if, if I would have been told that, it's like, man, look at you. She gives a bitter, sarcastic reply to Jesus' request for a drink. It's as if she was saying, oh, we Samaritans ain't no good till you need something. But when you need something, you'll come to us. See, the woman was expecting for Jesus to meet her need, expecting Jesus to meet all of these things for her, because all she was looking about was the physical, the literal part of life, the reality that she was in. Jesus is talking about a water that you can't see, feel, touch, taste. And he said, honey, if you would have known who you was talking to, what's going on inside your heart, I can take that away from you. I can help you. Verse 10. I love Jesus. Jesus says in verse 10, if you only knew. Sweetie, if you only knew what I'm trying to do for you, if you only knew what I'm trying to accomplish, the only water the woman could fathom was a literal water in the well because she was spiritually dead. She didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. You and I do. We get, the, we get what Jesus is saying. She doesn't. She has on spiritual blinders. Jesus is referring to the eternal spiritual water that flows without end. You see, the water in Jacob's well represents something. Church, say Jacob's well. Jacob's well, it was, written, it was built by a patriarch. It was built by the great people, the great people of Judaism. That well represents past victories, past hope, past, uh, past winning, past times, good times in the past, a bygone era. It represents who they are, who they are with God. It represents their religion. It represents sacrifice. It represents law. It represents all the great things God had did for them in the Old Testament. It represented the old way. The old law, the old covenant, the old testament. And Jesus is saying, Hun, I've got a new well where you don't have to do all that mess anymore. The law, I can give you grace. Remember the names of the two mountains, Ebal and Gerizim? One meant blessing and one meant one meant law, one meant Jesus is literally saying, sweetie, we're right here between these two mountains and you've got a choice. You can either go to that dead well over there who everybody's ever drunk of has always wound up dead or you can drink from this well right here and you'll never die. He says, you've got a choice, man. Ma'am, you've got a choice. 
And the thing is, can you imagine how hard it would have been to break that habit of going to that well? She's comfortable with that well. That well is her place. She wound up over there every day, every every day at twelve o'clock, sat on that same rock, lowered that same bucket, had that same rope, did the same every cotton picking day all by herself, because she didn't want a mess. She didn't want that mess. She didn't want the drama. She didn't like it, but that's the only well she had. She wasn't happy about it, but that's all she, that's all there was. You ever ask yourself about that? Is this all there is in life? Is it? Just going through the little motions? Just trying to make it through the day? I think all the time Jesus is saying, man, if you only knew what I had for you. If you only knew what was on this side of the well. If you only knew what I could do for you. But you're going to have to stop going to that stupid well. You're going to have to go, you're going to have to stop trying to fulfill all your needs, your desires, your protection, your provision. You're going to have to stop trying to save yourself and be a better person on your own and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Jesus says, I will pull you up. I'll take care of you. I'll restore you. I'll make you whole. I'll give you joy when it can't be found anywhere in the Galilee. I will satisfy you. But you're going to have to stop doing it yourself. Well, Brother Mike, who's right? We don't know which church right. We don't know. So I, 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 I'm just going to stay out of the mess. People say that all the time. Oh, well, you know, you do churches fight. Nobody's got their, nobody knows what's going on. Well, you know what? Let's take away the Baptist, the Methodist, the Pentecostal, Catholic, Lutheran, all the, all the labels. Let's just deal with what Jesus says. He says, if you drink from this well, you will never thirst again. Baby girl, that doesn't have anything to do with Baptist or Lutheran. That has everything to do with the relationship with Jesus. When we try to put a label on it, we're back at the stupid well. We're back at Jacob's well. We're back. And Jesus is over there saying, dude, take that thing off your back. Get it off your shoulders. Leave it there. Throw it in the bottom of that well. And if you only knew what I had to offer you here. Hey, church. What well are you going to in your life? What well are you going to in your life that you know you go there all the time, but it leaves you empty, whether it's a bottle, whether it's a, whether it's a gal, whether it's a golf course, whether it's money, whether it's pride. We, 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 have these, we have these wells that we get comfortable with, but you know what? We have to keep going to that thing every day. So as we look at our wells, Jacob's well. Here's, here's the thing. Um, I, I, that's Mike's well. That's Mike's well. And this is the well of living water. Every decision I make either makes me look more like that well or Jesus. Every decision I make, even the small ones, I'm turning into a creature of heaven or a creature of hell with every decision I make. And every little decision counts. Now the question I ask you is this. If you would look at your decisions on a daily basis, do you go to Bill's well or Pam's well or Linda's well? Because this is what you know. Or do you find yourself going to Jesus to meet your need, to make you feel worth, to make you feel loved? Church, the only way you're going to, the only way you're going to know peace and hope and happiness and joy and salvation is through him. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
You don't find a remedy in a church. You don't find remedy in, in attendance. You don't find the remedy or satisfaction in good deeds or stopping bad things through human willpower. We don't find the remedy in any of that. We find it in the person. His name is Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You ever been on a diet and you notice you lose a bit of weight? Then you start going back to the same habits and the same eating patterns and the weight comes back on. Church, i got a feeling that that's what at least I do in my walk with God. I get going on a great path, going towards the well of Jesus, but then I start going back to the bad habits or I start going back to the sinful practices. And before you know it, I'm nestled back up by Mike's well. Today, would you step out in faith and say, okay, I get it. I'm going to my well. No wonder I'm thirsty. I'm going to my well. No wonder I'm discontent. I keep going to my well. No matter. No wonder I'm unsatisfied. Today, would you put aside all those things and just run to the, to the one thing Jesus is offering you today, living water. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, would you stand for me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as we go into a time of invitation? This morning, we're about, Carrie, I'm going to ask you to lead the invitation here in a second, the song, if you wouldn't mind. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you, then I want to open this invitation up for you to come forward to pray, to receive Christ, maybe to say, hey, preach, I want to follow through with believer's baptism. Maybe you just want to spend some time alone in an altar and say, hey, God, I'm sorry. I've been going to my well, and I get it today. I understand what you have for me. So, God... I'm just going to ask you to remove the access to that old well I keep going to. Remove the rose. I don't want to go there no more. I want to go to you. I want to go with you. I just want to surrender all that mess, and I want to give up, and I want to go with you. This morning, this invitation is for you. Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would convict us, examine our hearts, Lord, and call us to you. And it's in Jesus' precious name. Amen.